Hi, everyone. We're conducting an audience survey, and we'd be really grateful if you could take just a few minutes and answer a few questions. Please visit survey.prx.org happiness to take the survey today. That's survey.prx.org happiness. Thank you. The Science of Happiness is brought to you by Progressive, one of the country's leading providers of auto insurance. With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you say what kind of coverage you're looking for and how much you want to pay, and Progressive will help you find options that fit within your budget. Use the Name Your Price tool and start an online quote today at Progressive.com. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I've been living in the same house for almost 20 years, and it was really strange that I realized that the entire time I've been living here, I've been the same person. Like, I really haven't changed that much. And the day-to-day hasn't changed. Like, a snapshot of my brain activity from 1999 would be the same as it would be in 2019. I don't think that's good because it's mostly... I'm kind of worried about dumb things, like worried about there's going to be traffic and I'm going to experience that, and what if this and what if that. Your mind is filled with very mundane worries that are kind of the same, you know, 20 years later, and that's an odd thing. Part of my personality is just go right to the worry and go right to irrational fears of like anything that could possibly happen. And the thing about it is like, you know, I'm 50 years old and all of the things that I've worried about happening never ever happen. And it's like, I'm still in the mindset that it might, so I have to prepare, but none of my preparation ever served me because nothing that I ever thought was gonna happen happened. And so it was really like, I just don't know why I would keep on worrying about things because that's never really helped me. Rolling Stone magazine has called her one of the 50 best stand-up comics of all time. Margaret Cho is also a Grammy and Emmy-nominated actor, singer, burlesque dancer, and LBGTQ rights activist. Margaret tried one of our practices to help her feel more optimistic and less anxious about the future. And she's here to tell us how it went. Margaret, it's an honor to have such a historic artist and activist on our show. Thanks for joining us on The Science of Happiness. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be historic. (laughs) Margaret, I just wanted to hear about your upbringing in San Francisco. You were raised by immigrant parents, right? And your dad ran a bookstore? Yes. My dad ran a gay bookstore from, I think, about 1977 until maybe like 1992. And so we were kind of around a very, very changing San Francisco because uh, Harvey Milk had just been elected into office in 1978 Mm. and then, of course, was assassinated really soon after. So it was really very, very different. And But gay politics was rising, and, of course, there was AIDS, which really changed our world completely throughout the 80s and early 90s. And so, you know, we saw a lot of changes. But I'm grateful for, you know, having been able to grow up there to see it. It made me very political. It made me very active. And, you know, it made me an artist. What were some of the ideas that you took as a young person developing in such an interesting context? It was really about living your own life and ownership of your own life. That's the best lesson I got, to be your own being. I wanted to share a, a clip from your Notorious Comedy Tour in 2002, because it really speaks to what you said about 
finding yourself and accepting yourself in face of all the different societal challenges that are out there. And it's going to be really hard to find messages of self-love and support anywhere, especially women's and gay men's culture. It's all about how you have to look a certain way or else you're worthless. When you don't have self-esteem, you will hesitate before you do anything in your life. You will hesitate to go for the job you really want to go for. You will hesitate to ask for a raise. You will hesitate to call yourself an American. You will hesitate to report a rape. You will hesitate to defend yourself when you are discriminated against because of your race, your sexuality, your size, your gender. You will hesitate to vote. You will hesitate to dream. For us, to have self-esteem is truly an act of revolution. And our revolution is long overdue. One of the things that I've really been impressed with in your work, Margaret, is you were one of the first to really recognize the power of trauma, things like substance abuse and sexual abuse, and just bringing that onto the stage as a way to give people strength. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's something very mystical that happens when you kind of like make that pain into a kind of a communion with others and then others share theirs with you and then there's a kind of I think there's something really like that absolves it that makes it really kind of like worthwhile because you connect with other people in a deeper way. There's so much research that backs up what you're saying that when we connect with others and build community it's really essential to building resilience and healing from trauma and also the power of narratives and storytelling. One of my favorite lines of work in the entire science of happiness is James Pennebaker's work at the University of Texas, where he just gets people to journal in expressive writing format about traumatic experiences. And then days later, what you see is they're happier, their immune systems are functioning better, their relationships are stronger. I wanted to turn now to the happiness practice that you chose called the best possible self-practice. And in this practice, we asked you to imagine an ideal future self, thinking about things like your career, your relationships, your relaxation, your hobbies, your health. And then you set aside 15 minutes a day for two weeks to write about what could happen in each of these areas of your best possible future. What drew you to this practice? It was mostly just about trying to see if I could, my future self, could direct my mind not to focus on those things that are mundane. Like there's so much that is like a countdown. Yep. Like what time do I have to leave? Okay, I have to start getting ready at this point. Okay, I have to start getting ready at this point. Okay, I have two hours until I have to start getting ready. And then it's like this weird thing of like, <laughs> I know when I'm going to leave. I don't have to keep saying to myself, I have this much time or laying in bed you know, watching the clock thinking like, I have this much time to sleep, I have this much time to sleep. And then, you know, you don't end up sleeping or even enjoying the fact that you're laying in bed. There's so much of this countdown that I was trying to shut off that I, I just I was mostly kind of fighting with that. So I thought that this would be a good practice for me to get out of that because it's odd to be, you know, living that same kind of thing daily for, for so long. So where did your mind go? What did you start thinking about in terms of this best possible Margaret Cho? It really came down to, wow, like all of the conditions that I put on a moment are way too heavy 
to like really just to experience the moment. So if I could just be in the moment and not be so crazy about getting to the next moment in time, yeah. that I could be, I'll be fine. It's really a, just a mental thing of that sort of I've digitized this hourglass that keeps going and there's no, there's no point to that, you know? It's like we're all going to the same place. We're all going to die and that's okay. And I don't have to like, you know, actually quantify like how many minutes it's going to take me. It's actually fine to just let it go. What do you think letting go would feel like? I think it would feel really beautiful. Like it would feel really like I can really move and and be alive in the space of time as opposed to looking at that clock. Like it's like clock watching in my mind. And it, it happens to me like even when I'm sleeping, I know like I've never really needed an alarm clock because I will always like my eyes will pop open exactly the moment I told myself to wake up. So it's weird how I think I like never quite let go of consciousness in any shape. I always have one like white knuckled fist on it and I got to let it go. Yeah, I hear you. I want to just inhabit the moment without having to paint it into a corner in like putting the parameters up. Like I don't want to look at the brackets that I put up in my time. I would rather just experience time minute to minute as it arrives and leaves. I hear you. I think one of the real challenges today is in our busy lives to just take time to let things go and let things happen. So the best possible self-practice suggests that you write about your ideal future self for 15 minutes a day for two weeks. How'd it go, Margaret? I um, did do a little bit of writing, but I thought that then that kind of felt so much like work because I just, when I'm working, I'd be sitting and writing so that that was kind of like a little bit too on the nose for me. <laughs> and then so I did I made a couple of voice memos cool. that I thought worked a little better. Can we listen to some of those voice memos now? Yes. Awesome. Thank you. I think I'm not going to concern myself with the body that I wish I could have and focus more on gratitude and enjoying the body that I have now. In the future, I'm not going to worry about the future. My future self will be so content in the moment and knowing that everything is... Okay, everything can be free from worry, from concern, for plotting. I don't have to figure out the plot. I don't have to figure out what's going to be that thing. That I don't have to chase anything or build myself up to get something because I have everything. That everything's already here. That's what I want. Everything already being here. It's always interesting to think about how these insights that we get from these practices, how they could shape our regular life. What do you think it would be like to live moment to moment in your daily life? Well, I I would hope that it would make me feel less like I'm dismantling a time bomb, which is kind of like (laughs) always there's, you know, if I could just even change it to like a traditional clock with like hands, you know, (laughs) instead of a digital clock, which is that's the worst part is that it's a digital clock with army time. And that's the worst (laughs) That would be happiness. That I'll would take be it. happiness. That's all I need. It's like I would just, like, just change the clock or, you know, maybe it's a sundial. <laughs> that I don't see most of the day. Yeah, no. that would be, that would uh, be much or better. Or I can't even read. Yes. 
Maybe clocks screwed us all up. I think you, you're on to something. I think so. It's like, because time is, it's just a, an agreed on social construct that we put together so that we can live in the world in relationship with other people. But uh, maybe I don't need it At all best. the time. Yeah. yeah. At best, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, Margaret. You know, a lot of people, when they do the best possible self, they like, well, I'd like to have this job or, you know, move to this house. And and yours was really almost more mystical. I wanted to kind of get away from the idea that this was more of an abundance practice where you like kind of go in of like think of all the material things that you want or visualize that perfect relationship or that vision boarding. I thought because, oh, well, that even has so much of a, yep. a kind of expectation that I've got to have this to show for my time on earth. You know, there's a weirdness that I was like, I, I really didn't want my mind to go there, but of course it kept kind of going there and I kept thinking about like, oh, I'm going to have all this patio furniture. So it doesn't have to be so like, <laughs> like directed at that. Like hey, I want of, that. I know. I, I want patio furniture too. But it's that kind of thing of like, well, why can't I just enjoy the fact that I could have a clear mind and it doesn't have to have all these like props that sort of denote a successful life, like really nice patio furniture. It doesn't have to you know, all be that. It can just be peace and a, an ease of living and an ease of breathing and an ease of just being moment to moment. I hear you. So what was your overall takeaway from doing the best possible self-practice? It did feel like a prescription, like your future uh-huh. self as like a doctor writing a prescription for what you need to get there. Yeah. So well that really felt good. You know, you, it was sort of like, oh, okay, well, we're going to direct you to do this and this and this, and this is going to improve it. And this will, this is what your outcome will be. And so, and that's really great, you know, and that's a wonderful thing to um, kind of put forth that idea that this will heal me. These like small things will make a big difference. Because mm. I think a lot of us define our lives with our livelihood. Yeah. And that is true to some extent. But for the most part, in my uh, mental state, like it's never, my livelihood is always a part of it, but it's never really that involved. It's really just like the tone of my existence really demands for a more peaceful one. So when you think about this radical career you've had in comedy in these past couple of decades and where it's taken your life, what kind of insights does it lead you to want to share with other people? I think if like you can laugh about something, you're beginning to heal from it, you know, because laughter is really just a forceful induction of breath. Yeah. So like you're like breathing all over this thing that like, yeah. is so awful. Because sometimes, like, you know, when you're in pain, it's just like you stop your breath, like you're holding your breath. And so this is more like I have to, like, shock myself into taking a huge yeah. inhale. And that kind of is a weird way to kind of oxygenate the problem, which I find is that's always been that the way that I've gotten through anything or that it's, like, starting to be better is if you can laugh through it. Or, you know, and that, that to me is, I think, yeah. very very cool and um, something that it's like a gift to be able to do that. You know, it's so interesting when I teach laughter, you know, and the science of laughter, you know, there are all these different kinds of laughs from snarky laughs to loving laughs to embarrassed laughs. And the fundamental fact of laughter is you exhale, right? Mm -hmm. So I think you've tapped into something that has some good science and wisdom behind it. Thank you. Well, Margaret Cho, I wanted to thank you for the groundbreaking work you've done on ethnicity and race and sexuality in, in so many different forms. So thank you for really advancing our culture and for being part of the science of happiness. Thank you so much. 
What are the long-term benefits of visualizing your best possible future? The problem is, is that you can do something that makes you feel better immediately, but then that fades away and you're kind of back to where you started. More on the science behind the best possible self-practice coming right up. Hiring the right team for your business can be a long and arduous process. With Indeed, there are no long-term contracts, you can pause your account at any time, and you only pay for what you need. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly. Want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com happiness. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com happiness. Indeed.com slash happiness. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. We know from science that giving to others, especially those in need, can make us happier as a community. Unbound is an international nonprofit that partners with families living in extreme poverty, empowering them to become self-sufficient and fulfill their desired potential. When you sponsor a child, young adult, or elder through Unbound, you invest in personalized benefits that support goals chosen by the sponsored individual and their family. Unbound sends more than $100 million each year to support families in under-resourced countries. You can make a real and direct impact, offering hope in the life of someone when they need it most. Partner with a new friend today at unbound.org happiness. The best possible self-practice can not only improve your happiness, Research suggests that it also can increase your optimism about the future and help you cope with the stresses of daily living. But is this just a quick happiness boost that dissipates over time? Ken Sheldon, a psychology professor at the University of Missouri, did a study to find out. We randomly assigned participants to one of three groups. And the first group had to write down the details of their day, however mundane. And then we selected two promising, positive psychology-inspired, hopefully happiness-producing conditions. One of them was to write about your best possible self in the future. The best possible self group was given this prompt. Imagine yourself in the future after everything has gone as well as it possibly could. You've worked hard and succeeded at accomplishing all of your life goals. Think of this as the realization of your life dreams and of your own best potentials. The third group did a gratitude activity that involved counting your blessings. And so we just wanted to compare the effects of doing those three activities upon people's positive mood and negative mood. Then all three groups went home with a bit of homework. Keep up your assigned activities for two weeks and then report back. We just asked them to continue thinking in this way. We, we didn't say do more writing. We just said try to keep this on your mind. After two weeks, Ken's team followed up with the participants. Those who did the best possible self-exercise reported the greatest boost in positive emotions. And those who actually did keep up with the practice continued to feel greater positive emotions one month later. But people who stopped doing the practice stopped feeling the effects. So it's just like, you know, you can start off exercising and it makes you feel good. But then if you stop, then that good feeling is going to uh, go back to where you started. So it really does seem to take effort to get benefits from these kinds of positive psychology activities. So as a reminder, the best possible self-practice asks you to think about your ideal self and write about it for 15 minutes a day for two weeks. But there's room for creativity. 
You can record yourself on your smartphone, as Margaret Cho did. In the future, I'm not going to worry about the future. And as psychologist Ken Sheldon said, what's most important is that you really stick with the practice. What really matters is what am I doing today and how does that connect to where I'm trying to get in my best possible life, you know, 20 years from now. And that's a, a habit of mind that you can develop. If you want to try the best possible self-practice yourself or check out other happiness exercises, visit ggia.berkeley.edu. Tell us how it went by using the hashtag happinesspod or emailing us at greater at berkeley.edu. I'm Dacher Keltner. Thanks for listening to The Science of Happiness. Our work on The Science of Happiness is made possible through the incredibly generous support of listeners like you. That's true for all the resources we produce here at the Greater Good Science Center. If you're a fan of The Science of Happiness and you want to help us bring more kindness, connection, and happiness to the world, please visit ggsc.berkeley.edu slash donate. We're grateful for every gift. That's ggsc.berkeley.edu slash donate. Thank you. Our podcast is a co-production of UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center and PRIPRX. Our producer is Shuka Kalantari. Production assistance is from Jenny Cataldo and Ben Manila of BMP Audio. Our associate producer is Annie Berman. Our executive producer is Jane Park. Our editor-in-chief is Jason Marsh. Special thanks to UC Berkeley's Graduate School of Journalism.